0: I prayed and thought a lot about what I wanted to share and what I wanted to address and speak on with you and I really thought about this and I thought about that and I came back to saying that I really want to share with you just in part what's going on in my own life and what is happening with me. And in the last two years I have been giving my morning devotional time to the endeavor of personal spiritual formation. Wrestling with the idea of how do I form Christ in me? How do I work at and what is my responsibility of letting Jesus transform me from the inside out? And that has been a continued journey and meanwhile in the midst of that going on in my own life I've observed the church not just the church that we've been in here or the church that we've been in there or this church or but the whole church. And I've watched the church deal with a very unique time in history over the last two years. And I look at it honestly and it has saddened me. I can't help but conclude that we as a church have missed an opportunity in the midst of unprecedented times. I fear that we have been caught up and what's going on around us, and we have given so much attention to what's happening out there that we have given way too little attention to what's going on in here. And I want to direct our attention to that. I want to help us to look at that, and you know, I, I get it. I don't like what's going on in our culture either, but is what we're doing working? And is it, more importantly, what God has called us to do, not just at this time, but in all times, is it what we're to be doing? And so when we look at what's going on around us and we look at what's going on in us, we need to ask ourselves, what is it that we're supposed to do? my thesis for you today is this. That God chooses to be glorified in a messed up world by solidly committed disciples of Christ who determine to allow the Spirit of God to transform them from the inside out. That's his means of glory. And he has no plan B. That's it. It's that we choose to become the people that he wants us to be. Not to be out there fixing the other things that are going on in the world. So I want to address some more the problem and how we've gotten into that problem and then look at the solution, but then I am going to be calling you to say, so what's our response? What are we actually to do about that? So I want us to think some more about the idea of what is the problem? What is the thing that we are facing? And again, I get it. I don't think I need to go into a lot of uh, detail about this. I think if I did a quick survey and I said, you know, how is the world doing? I think that we would understand that it's not going that well. I think that we would be able, I could spend a bunch of time talking about those things, but fixing the culture is not the way God chose to be glorified. It's not what He's called us to do. And also condemning the culture is not what God called us to do. To curse the darkness because it's dark or to talk about worldly people and be surprised that they're behaving worldly. That's not a solution. It's not what God asks us and it's not what he has empowered the Spirit of God to do in our lives. Darkness is prevalent, but it has always been that way. Read a little bit of history and find out what the Roman government was like. And what did Jesus do about fixing that messed up culture? Nothing. He called a bunch of misfits like me and said, let me transform you from the inside out. That's what he worked to do. My concern and my request is that you would look with me and ask, could we perhaps have been being deceived? And we've been pulled in to giving our attention to other things than what God would have us give our attention to and we are finding ourselves distracted from what God wants to do in our life. We are to manifest the glory of His great wonders. That's God's choice to be glorified. He chooses how he wants to be glorified. It's not our choice to decide how God is to be glorified. And he didn't choose to be glorified by fixing the culture. Think about it. Whether it's the United States of America, it's Zambia, it's Russia and Ukraine, it's Erie and Jaya, Indonesia, they're all a mess. And if someone could fix any one of those cultures, who is it that could fix them? God could, couldn't he? God could fix any culture He wants to and He chooses not to yet we think we're supposed to be giving our attention there. Why? He chooses to be glorified in the midst of this darkness by us displaying the light. His glory is the choice of our being consumed with Him. I I haven't found a better way to succinctly state it than what John Piper says. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Not satisfied in fixing this. Not satisfied in condemning that. Not satisfied in talking about how bad they are doing. But that we are satisfied in who He is. So, I get it. We look around and we can be uh, pulled in this direction or this direction. They tend to be this. The world is so big and so bad and so awful that we talk about it all the time and how awful it is. Meanwhile, we're feeling better about ourselves. That's not good, because I'm not doing very good. Or we see that the world's pretty bad and I need to do something about it. I need to fix it, either of which is a distraction from recognizing my own need of internal transformation and letting God move and work in me. I shared with you earlier that from Bozeman, Montana to uh, New Hampshire was 2,300 miles. So far, we've done 1,200 miles of it. So we're here after 1,200 miles, and we have, re- re- we have arrived safe and... S- this is the part where you get to participate. Safe and Sound our son sought to come out for, fly from Bozeman to New Hampshire. Delayed, delayed, delayed. I know none of your Christmases were like that, right? And he finally got there and he arrived safe and sound. Where does that expression come from? It's a nautical expression. So if a ship came in way back in the old days and it sailed in and it had Uh, got to port but it had had problems with the sails or the mast or it's taking on water, it needs to get refitted, whatever, they would signal with the flags or they would signal with some means later with a telegraph. They arrived safe, but not sound. They can't be sent back out on the mission, whether it's cargo or war or whatever. But if they arrived safe and sound, they signaled that. That means I arrived safe and I'm ready to go back on the mission. And the captain has called us to a mission and my concern is that too many of us have gotten this idea that to be a Christian is to be safe and that future he's going to take care of things but we're not sound in sailing on the mission that he has given us. We've gotten distracted. All these other things that he did not call us to do. And we're putting our hearts and our energies and our conversations and our efforts and our worries in those things. And it's not His will. That's a problem. So what is the solution? And you ask yourself, if that's not God's will, then what is God's will? And I say, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) So we're gonna look at the solution. And here is the solution that God has given. If there was a place where God is going to give a solution, here's what he said, and here's what he told us. First Thessalonians 4.3 It is God's will that you should be sanctified. I want you to read it with me. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, I want you to personalize it. The I. Ready? It is God's will that I be sanctified. That's it. That's God's will. So let's talk about sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? The word means to be set apart. And it means also to be set apart unto holiness. Not just set apart, but to be made holy, to be set apart unto holiness. That's what the word sanctified means. But as we study in the scripture, we find there three aspects of sanctification. It is that I am sanctified positionally, I am being sanctified, and one day I will be sanctified. That's what it is described as, taught us, and it's what God is desiring to do in me and in you. So first we find that we are to be positionally sanctified. Now that means that God makes us right. He makes us holy. He doesn't just justify us to take our sins and put it on the body and the blood of Christ and it takes away our sin, but rather he also takes his righteousness, Christ's righteousness, and he puts it on me. I am positionally sanctified. When God looks at me, he sees Christ's righteousness. So we are present, we are past tense sanctified. Where would we go to see that? If there was a letter or a church that Paul was going to write to, of all the churches that he would write to, one of the ones where he might have a little bit of doubt about how the church is doing in their sanctification, it might be the church at Corinth. But notice how he opens his letter to first, in 1 first Corinthians to the church at Corinth. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1-2. To those sanctified, past tense, in Christ Jesus, made righteous. Past tense. God did this. He sanctified them. He made them positionally holy. But then we were called to be progressive. I am being sanctified. I was sanctified. I am being sanctified and this is where we are to engage it. It's not that we just are passive only. We receive it and we move and work in it with all that we are. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you got the e-news, it said I'd encourage you to read that. I'd encourage you to work at memorizing it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that you have already been sanctified, in view of that, then offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Hold on. What? A living sacrifice. If anybody was familiar, which they were, with the idea of a sacrifice, sacrifices don't live. They're killed. They're dead. How do we become a living sacrifice? It's recognizing that I don't need to just die daily. I need to die moment by moment to Gary. And what Gary wants to do. And the knee jerk reaction that Gary will have. And then I need to die to that. As a living sacrifice, notice that then you're sanctified, holy and pleasing. That's how we are expressing our sanctification, that's what makes us being the person that God wants us to be. So this is your true act of worship. We worship here when we come in, but our true act of worship is to be the people God wants us to be. It's your true act of worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm so concerned that too many of us are conforming to the world they're arguing and yelling so we are how's it working for us God's solution to the darkness is for us to be light not to do what everybody else is doing Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed. Notice this and how it happens. By the renewing of your mind. That means I have to study. I have to learn. I have to read my Bible. I have to be paying attention. The renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, we know what His will is. It is God's will that, what? I be sanctified. How do we prove that? By exercising and engaging in the disciplines. That's what these verses are telling us. We have to renew our mind because it's bent away from God and he's calling us to pull it back toward God. Ephesians 5.18 says similarly, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. When someone is drunk, they're controlled by the alcohol. They make dumb decisions based on the alcohol in them. We, on the other hand, are to be filled with the Spirit. And that sentence could be translated, it is more accurately translated, be being filled with the Spirit. Spirit of God, it is a present continuous because I continue to need His infilling in my life. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. Past tense. And it is no longer Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It is to be present and continuous. He is living His life out. So the idea is, this afternoon, in your home, how would Jesus live out your life if He were in your body? engaging with your children or with your spouse or in your spot. That's what he's calling us here to do. It's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I need faith to continue to let him do it in me. Romans 6.13 Do not offer the parts of yourselves as sin to instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as instruments of righteousness. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work within you. How hard are we supposed to work at this? With fear and trembling. In other words, as though your very life depends upon it. Because it does. God wants to do a mighty thing in us. He wants to transform us from the inside. He wants our wills redirected. And that means our minds, our hearts, our souls need to be retrained to listen to Jesus, not listen to all the stuff that's going on out there. When we talk about lofty things like this, you can sit there and maybe get to thinking that Gary is preaching at us cuz he's got this down and I wanna make sure you hear me loud and clear not the case I wish it were the thing that I've learned in two years after 40 some years of walking with Jesus in two years of intentional study about how do we get formed in Christ here's what I've mostly learned I have so far to go I need Jesus our body our mind our soul must be redirected in a Godward orientation spiritual formation here's one of the a quote from one of the books that I've given myself to over these two years It's Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart. Spiritual formation in likeness is to be the exclusive primary goal of the local congregation. The italics there are His. The emphasis are His. It's the exclusive primary goal of this church, of my life. This is the endeavor that God has entrusted to our care. And it's what we're to be giving ourselves to. Alright, I know I've done this before, so some of you it's familiar but it bears repeating. Little uh, lesson in atmospheric pressure. So we live at about one atmosphere of pressure because we're only at about 800 feet above sea level right here. It goes down a little bit as you go up, but let's say we're at one atmosphere of pressure. So right now I've opened up the balloon and it has all the air that is around us in there is the balloon full. Well, relatively it's full, right? It has about one atmosphere of pressure in it. Is the balloon full? Now I don't know the tension of the balloon and stuff, but let's say it's about 1.2 atmospheres of pressure now. Is the balloon full? Is the balloon full? So daredevils are saying no. (laughs) The ones who realize really the Gary is blowing this up right next to his microphone. Yes. (laughs) Is the balloon full? the question that we're dealing with here in the two tensions of blow it up Gary and please don't blow it up Gary how full can the balloon get? and the full question to us is how full of the spirit of God can I get? more more he can have more of me I can surrender to him more I can be more full of the spirit is that what we're giving our attention to or are we giving our attention to the news and that's what we're talking about all the time Are we giving our attention to how horrible the culture is and we're not giving attention? Are we spending more time reading our Bible than we are listening to the news? And then are we surprised that our soul is not where it could be and we're not full of the Spirit of God? That when life hits us, we don't respond like Jesus because we haven't trained our will to be Jesus, to be like Jesus, to have Jesus really living out of us. It's a problem, and sanctification is the solution. Are we being filled of the Spirit? And so I come then with the third point to you, and that is this. What's our response? What's your response? Right now, some of you sitting here, you have said, as I've said, this is what we're supposed to do, and we're not supposed to do that. Some of you have one time, five times, 50 times said, Yeah, Gary, but. I am so asking you right now to take a huge step back from that and if you've said that even once to say, Lord, what am I doing? Have I been deceived into giving my life to things that are not what you called me to do? How is what we're doing working? If we're going to sit around and talk about how black the culture is, what is God's solution? It's a light of a church, not a church that is talking about all the problems that are out there. He wants to shine his light in us. And I'm asking you to examine that. Let's each of us look and say, could we have been hoodwinked by the devil, by our own flesh, by the world around us, into getting completely distracted so he's winning? God's solution for that is to repent. And that means that if I'm going this way and I'm realizing I've been allowing that to creep into my life or even overtake my life, I stop, I turn, and I intentionally go the other way and say, Jesus, fill me afresh. And I begin really rekindling this idea that I'm going to put on Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to exercise the disciplines. Are we giving ourselves to prayer, to the reading of the word? And I get it. Some of us, we don't really read well, but you can get podcasts. You can listen to sermons. You can listen to the word of God. You have so many opportunities of being able to fill our hearts and souls with the things of God. Let's quit making the excuses. If you're putting more time into the news than you are to your Bible, are you surprised that it's not Jesus coming out of you? What are we thinking? Please. Let's look to see how full God can get us. And be the light of Christ. And leave the culture with Him. Because He's choosing to not fix it. Why are we going to try? Let's be the light of Christ and let Him move in us. So, I'm a terrible cook. So I just take a can of soup and I open it up and I dump it in the pot, right? My cup, my, my can of soup. See, I can't even call what it's rightly called. My can of soup. How complicated is that? I dump it in the pan, right? Here's the fire and the fire is going, the fire burner is burning full bore, right? Okay, so I'm supposed to take the soup and what do I do? Is my soup hot? But is it getting hot? right? Is it hot now? Is it hot now? But it is getting hot. It's getting hot. It's getting hotter. (laughs) Did you see that news item? The world is acting worldly. Not rocket science. What have we been doing? There's the world that's hurting. And you know, the worldly people fled to Jesus? And I encounter way too often that worldly people don't want anything to do with church people, they're mean. That's a problem. I want Jesus to live in me. So worldly people decide, I want that. And I want you to live that way. And I hope your response is to repent of what we've been doing and quit trying to fix everybody else and realize I've got so far to go. I need to give way more attention to my soul. Can we please do that and be the light that Jesus wants us to be? Let's pray.